When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. It is a Tuesday, which means it's time for the game plan, along with the voice of the Sooners, Toby Rowland. I'm Chris Plank. We just wrapped up the Lincoln Riley Press Conference, which you'll hear in about 20 minutes from now. But uh, kind of what we thought, no injury updates. Kennedy Brooks runs like he's walking his dog in the park because he's so smooth. And I think everyone feels pretty good about the way this team bounced back from a tough loss because that's what they do here at Oklahoma, Toby. They bounce back. <laughs> they don't let it linger too much, do they? Yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, I thought that was the takeaway for me from uh, Lincoln's presser on Monday is – He's pretty happy. He's pretty, he's a pretty happy coach. Um, we didn't know what to expect out of the defense after two weeks off and a change at the coordinator position, and it went well. well yeah. I thought it went pretty, you know, really well. Honestly, there was about a quarter there where across the board it was ugly. Special teams and. Offense um, kept getting penalties, and the defense gave up a couple of big plays. But for about three quarters of the game, I thought the defensive changes worked out really well. And offensively, I think they found something with this Kennedy Brooks kid on Saturday. And you you add in another weapon to already a, an unbelievable arsenal that Kyla Murray has and Lincoln Riley has to deal with. And um, I'm, th- I'm pleased to go win at TCU is a is a good a good deal. To go win at TCU, coming off of all of the drama, yeah. yes, is a bigger deal. You know that the season could have gone south last week, and you could have started having infighting, and um, and who knows? And it didn't. They played arguably their best game of the year. And that's a good sign going forward because um, I think they got a chance for a nice sprint to the finish here. I didn't realize number-wise we had Kenneth Murray over at the presser today. Well, as we tape this, it's a Monday. Sometimes we try to play like we're actually taping this on a Tuesday, but I think we, we've got to be 100% transparent here. But as I got done talking to Kenneth Murray, I didn't realize he's 10th nationally, 12 tackles per game. He's a sophomore, Toby. This is a sophomore who, ah, and I'm going to ask him this today. I'm going to have to start holding my notepad with me. Hadn't played the same position for two years in a row until this year. Physically, uh, I, I think he's, he's a little dinged. You know, he's, he's got that uh, 
I don't know if it's a pinched nerve or exactly what it is, but kind of has that little issue every now and then. But yet he's still out there just about every single play. Just about every single play. The only time he came out was whenever the game got out of hand late, whenever I think, what, Deshaun White came in for a couple of plays late. Right. What he's doing defensively, I, I, I just – I'm digging it. I'm really impressed with the young man. He's having seems a, like Teddy is too. He's having, you know, he's having a really good year. He's already surpassed his – Total tackles from a year ago. Well, I didn't know that. And we are, uh, you know, five games to go in the regular season. I think he had 78 total tackles last year, and I believe he's sitting at 85 right now for this year. So he's going to get to 100 tackles, I mean, maybe this week, much as K-State runs the ball. But if not this week, then the week after for sure. So he's he's been a rock in the middle of that defense. Um, you know, the story for them this week was uh, – they tweaked a few things. They uh, they went to a four-man front for the majority of the game. Yep. A, an aggressive uh, gap four-man front with Kenneth uh, Mann and Ronnie Perkins at the ends. And while we didn't see them get a ton of pressure on the quarterback out of it, I thought they held up in the run game really well. And it allowed for a little more freedom behind them for the linebackers to make plays. We saw Trey Brown start, which I thought, you know, in my opinion, was a few weeks overdue. And he made some plays, obviously an emotional week for him with the passing of his mother. He had a couple of pass breakups, and and I just love his aggressiveness when the ball's in the air. You know, when when the, the ball when you reach the point where the ball arrives and the receiver and the DB are all there together, he seems to have more fight in him to get that ball away from the receiver than anybody else. And uh, we saw Robert Barnes uh, start at safety. I don't know that he showed up a ton. I don't remember saying his name a ton, which right. for a safety is is good and bad. It's good. You know, we, I don't remember him getting burned, so that's great. <laughs> um, but those were the major personnel changes. We also saw Delarian Turner yell for the first time this year, right. and I, I'll be very intrigued to see – what uh, factor he plays going forward because I think he does provide the opportunity if he grasps the defense mentally to be a big bopper back there, big hitter. Which uh, I think they need. Yeah, they don't yeah. really have one of those safeties that flies around and just cracks people. You don't have that in football as much anymore because of the rule changes and stuff, but he's a hard hitter, or at least his game tape out of high school, that's the kind of player he was. And we saw Jalen Redmond for the first time, which wasn't really a tweak. That was just a timing situation. This is the first time he has had an opportunity to get on the field. Um, and then the other thing that might have made the biggest impact defensively was OU, it seemed to me, made more late um, snap adjustments to try to confuse the quarterback. We saw DBs tight in coverage on wide receivers and at the last second drop out, and or the opposite, or be given 8, 10 yards and at the last second rush up and be in tight coverage. And or linebackers making a shift right before the snap. And it looked to me like it was confusing to the TCU quarterbacks. I don't remember seeing that a lot out of, out of OU defensively this year, so... A few things, more more than a handful of things, more than I thought, to be honest with you, um, that OU did different defensively. You know what impressed me? And, again, I don't – you've got Ted next to you. You guys got a great perspective. Sometimes it's, uh, it's a little bit difficult on the sidelines. They never look back to the sideline for the call. The call is you. The players are the call is what Ruffin McNeil has said. And I don't think we used a defensive timeout. No. During the game on Saturday, there didn't appear to be, and this is, we are not in any way nope. trying to knock anybody nope. here, but there wasn't, when they say they simplified things, I think that's the most obvious way that that played itself out. Call sent in, everybody's got the call, let's play it. <laughs> there wasn't a looking back and forth, changing things, what are we doing, people holding their arms in the air, what play are we in kind of thing going on. Maybe it will be next week, I don't know, but this week, that wasn't going on, and I think it was a concerted effort. I think this is Ruffin's M.O. as a defensive coordinator. We're, we're going to be good. We're going to prepare, but we're only going to do what we can do right. and what everybody out there feels comfortable doing. And you've heard him say, I don't know, a dozen times this week, 
if there's a play in our defensive game plan that somebody doesn't quite understand or doesn't feel comfortable with, we're throwing it out. And which is fascinating. I mean, that's interesting. And I think, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that happened this week. So maybe that leads to a slimmed down defensive game plan, but it leads to one that everybody has assured their defensive coordinator and defensive coaches. We 100% understand the plays that are in the game plan this week. Otherwise, we would have asked for it to be thrown out. So, you know, it worked. Against TCU, it worked. We'll see against K-State because I think this is a different challenge, and it is a challenge that has given OU problems this year. The quarterback run game for Texas with Sam Ellinger was a problem. The Obviously, the quarterback run game for Army was a problem, and that was a triple option. That's a different deal. But here comes Kansas State now with quarterback run game from uh, Thompson and Delton and two weeks to get ready for Oklahoma. And you know Bill Snyder is going to have something in his game. He's going to have spotted something that he sees as a weakness in Oklahoma defensively, and he's going to try to take advantage of it. What uh, – you know, we, we could sit here and talk defense the entire show if we wanted to from what we saw on Saturday – but I quickly wanted to get your thoughts on the offensive side of the football because Kyler Murray told us during the press conference show, and he's kind of laughing about it. He goes, yeah, I, I get mad out there when we have to punt the ball. You know, it's, it's logical that you're not going to score every single time you touch the football. But, I mean, if you think about it, on Saturday, your you know, 1A receiver is not 100%. Your, uh, your starting running back you lost in the second game of the season. And so you're down to what ended up being maybe third or fourth guy after Trey Sermon gets hurt, even though that did come late in the game. And you're playing the best defense statistically in the Big 12. And you're mad when you have to punt all two times. <laughs> I mean, they just – Toby, they go out there, and regardless of who it is, Kyler Murray, they expect to score every time they touch the football. That's incredible. And they've shown they have the ability to do that. It's shocking when they have to punt. <laughs> In it, fact, you're on the, on the sidelines like, oh, no, they had to punt. What's going on here? Well, it's football. It happens. Well, do the math, though. They are averaging an, what would be an FBS record 8.7 yards a play. Wow. Now, Chris, you only have to get 10 yards for a first down. <laughs> so keeping them from getting a first down is a really hard thing to do. So how does it happen? How does it happen that OU punts? Inevitably, they get behind the chains, right? Penalties. A penalty will move them back, or they'll have a negative play on one of the rare negative plays on first down, and a drive will stall because of that. But barring that, this is an unbelievable offense again yeah. this year. And I would get mad at people a little bit early in the year when they would say something crazy like, this offense has a chance to be as potent, if not better, than last year. And that's just ridiculous. That Baker Mayfield was the number one draft pick and won the Heisman Trophy. And Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown. Rodney Dimitri and Flowers. Dimitri Flowers, Rodney Anderson got hurt. Yeah. But it's not crazy anymore. One, Kyler Murray is playing – at a remarkable level. His efficiency, he's got 30 touchdowns and three interceptions this year. Think about it. Pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> That's a 10 to 1 ratio. 30 touchdowns, three interceptions. His completion percentage, I think, is 72% on the season right, right now. 72.3%. Stupid. Okay, now that doesn't even factor in his ability to absolutely dice you up with his legs. I mean, he is impossible to tackle in the open field. Okay, so that's your quarterback. Now, you might have the best one-two punch in the country at wide receiver. Hollywood Brown and C.D. Lamb are unbelievable. They can take the top off a of defense. They can make one-handed catches. Hollywood runs that underneath crossing pattern where a linebacker tries to pick him up. Are you kidding me? Nobody can catch him. They are incredible. Now, you've got this cat name. 
This this dude wasn't even on scholarship when the year started named Lee Morris, all right? Who's scoring a touchdown 67% of his touches in his career. <laughs> all right. Now, all of a sudden Saturday, here comes Kennedy Brooks. And it looks like you might have a one-two punch at running back again that is formidable at the least, great maybe, we'll see. But if Brooks can be half as good as he was Saturday and enable Sermon to get back to being a fourth-quarter finisher, not not that that's the only time he plays, but that he's fresh enough to push pummel people in the fourth quarter <laughs> like he did last year, uh, watch out. And an offensive line to cap it all off that has started to figure it out. And we kind of grumbled a little bit for the first four or five games of the years. What's wrong with the offensive line there? Even Biedenboe is kind of grumbling a little bit. We're not quite blocked. We're not creating the holes we were last year. Then suddenly against Texas, they started to look a little bit better. And against TCU, I'm telling you, they destroyed a TCU defensive line that is really good. They ran for 300 yards. Uh, Banigou and Collier were insignificant, two of the best defensive ends in the country. And you combine all of that, Murray, Hollywood, C.D., Morris. I didn't even mention Grant Calcaterra, who had three really tough catches on Saturday. Brooks, Sermon, offensive line, and a play caller – who is as creative as anybody in the country, and it it really is a video game. It's it's they can do whatever they want against anybody they want all day long. It feels like, and you're right. If if they have to punt, it's shocking. <laughs> Which is why we've said all year long, a defense hasn't been good. If they can just be a little bit better, yes. This is a Final Four caliber team. And Saturday, you know what? They were a little bit better, maybe more than a little bit better. It was very encouraging. SI, by the way, I know you don't get into the projections this early, but SI has us going to the Cotton Bowl to play Alabama in the four-team playoff. So, at least for somebody, that would be awesome. Now, by the way, 19 punts this year. Think about that. I'd love to look across the country. Seven games, 19 punts, and not many turnovers either. They have gone – to third down fewer than any team in America. <laughs> I don't know how many punts that is relative to other teams in the country, but it's got to be among the fewest. And I think they've ran now after Saturday the third fewest offensive plays Unreal. in the country. And they're still, you know, that was a different thing, though, Saturday, was they didn't score – on one and two and three play drives. They possessed the ball. One was like a seven-minute drive. The first quarter, I think, was a seven-minute touchdown drive. When's the last time that happened at Oklahoma, you know? (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, So they they ran the ball. They had shorter plays. I think part of that was Hollywood being a little gimpy, couldn't take the top off the defense like he normally does. But a larger part of that was we're running the ball at will. Let's just keep doing it. Kind of excited to dig into before we wrap up and hear from Lincoln Riley, Kansas State this week. Fascinating, complex team this year for what they did against Oklahoma State two weeks ago. They're coming off a bye as well. And every time they come here, we get a tough game. So it's I think it's going to be a fascinating week to kind of see what Bill Snyder brings in here. Well, I, when the schedule comes out, one of the first things I always do is look at the Kansas State game and hope we get them earlier. Yes, yeah, exactly. They always play better late in the year than they do early in the year, and by the time the end of the year rolls around, they're just a bear to deal with. Um, they have not been very good this year at all. And then, sure enough, two weeks ago, they pummeled OSU. I mean, they just ran all over them. They look great on defense. They look, Alex Barnes ran for, I think, 180 yards on them. And and now they've got a bye week to live in that glory and get ready for Oklahoma. So you worry that they're gelling and figuring it out. It's Bill Snyder. 
his teams historically don't beat themselves. That hasn't always been the case the last two or three years. They've mm. been more prone to the turnover and some unexpected gaffes than in the past. But historically, they don't beat themselves. Uh, they don't give up big plays. And and they play great special teams. So we'll see whether or not that holds up on Saturday. But I don't think they – my my opinion of K-State is this on Saturday. I don't think they can do much more than anybody else can do with the Oklahoma offense. They're going to have a hard time slowing down this juggernaut OU offense. I worry about them, K-State on offense, finding a formula – kind of like Army did. I'm not saying triple option, but Army found a formula that just kept Kyler Murray on the sidelines. And I think Bill Snyder and his creativity and the personnel and the way he likes to play offense is capable of maybe finding a formula that goes for three yards, four yards, three yards, (laughs) two yards, three yards, first down, four yards, three. Before you know it, they've gone 14 plays and taken six, seven minutes off the clock, and you're like, man, our offense hadn't been out there in a while. And then when they do, they try to press a little bit. And so that that concerns me a little bit. Um, if they get behind, K-State gets two scores behind in this game, they are not built to come from behind. They are not a team that can make big plays down the field and score quickly and all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if OU wins the toss if they don't take the football in this game. Kind of like against Army. Yep. And say, let's get out in front of these guys and try to force the issue a little bit. Love it, man. Have a great week getting ready for Kansas State. Should be fun. Big 2.30 kick. By the way, we should mention no start time for Texas Tech announced, but we know this much. It will not be an 11 a.m. start. Well, then we, we have three options. Three options, yeah. 2.30, 6, or 7. So None of those say are, none of those end in a.m. <laughs> Which is a good sign. <laughs> All right, here's the Lincoln Riley press conference for Monday. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, you know, quick review of the TCU game. Very – uh, very proud of the way our guys played, the way we responded to the two weeks. Uh, you know, it was really some some stretches in there, some really really good football. You know, where we, you know, really all three sides, you know, were able to complement each other. You know, obviously the stretch to start the game, the stretch to end of the game, was some of the best ball we've played as a team really the entire year, and doing it under the circumstances on the road against a, a very talented football team. Uh, it was important for us. It was a big, big game. We knew that going in. So very happy with the way we played. Excited about uh, getting back here home this week against Kansas State. Uh, feels like it's been forever since we played at home. And so uh, going to be a, a, another another crucial game. You know, we've got to continue to climb, continue to grow as a team. We felt like we took a lot of big steps here in the last several weeks. but. You know, that journey's far from over, you know, and I think the big challenge for us will be, you know, we've got to continue to have the preparation, the mentality that we that we really worked hard on throughout the bye week, throughout preparation for TCU. That, that's got to continue with this team, and that's going to be a big key. And so that'll be our focus point. Um, watching Kansas State, you know, initially here on film, I mean, you know, you, you feel like you say it every year, which is a big compliment to them, you know, Coach Snyder, does a tremendous job each year. New faces, you know, they've got two new coordinators this year. I mean, every everything, you know, they've got some changes, but their program is still so steady, so solid. Guys play so hard and so physical, um, you know, and it's a, a game for us that, you know, being able to match that, uh, you know, how well they play the game, how clean of a game they play, how physical they play, that's going to be a big part of this game. Um, we had a tremendous battle up there with them last year. It was certainly a, a tale of two halves, and, and we've got to be able to play the way that we know we can for, for a long period of time against this team. And uh, they're, they're coming off their own bye week and then a big win, obviously, against Oklahoma State uh, the previous week. So they've got some, some good momentum like we do right now as well. So it should be a heck of a ball game. Um, looking forward to, to seeing our fans back out here. Home field advantage this year has been, been tremendous. Uh, we're going to need it again. We, we again, got a, a nice kickoff time for you. All right, getting off the 11 o'clock train here for a while. So uh, 2.30, everybody be there. Let's be loud. Let's have another great Saturday. Where were you last week? In Cuba. Cuba? We should have, like, radioed you in or something. <laughs> Go ahead. Injuries. Uh, nothing to report on Sermon. Um, 
We'll just have to see how that one goes. Marquise Brown doing well. Um, don't anticipate any issues there. Um, yeah, I think other than that, we're pretty clean. Lincoln, you had some adjustments in the secondary, playing some guys in different spots and giving some guys some opportunities. It looked like that worked pretty well. After you've watched it, did it? Did it go as well as we thought? Yeah, guys graded out well. They uh, thought handled some of the changes well. Uh, you know, thought Robert Barnes and Khalil both came in and and uh, and, and did some nice things for us. Was happy uh, happy with their progress. They've got to continue to grow, but that was a good start, you know, for them. I thought they they both played well. Uh, you know, Trey Brown played well. Uh, Motley played well. Uh, made some big plays for us both defensively. I mean, you could argue maybe had. He had three of the biggest plays of the game when you figure the, the fourth down tackle, obviously the interception, and then down in that punt, you know, down there inside the whatever it was, two or three yard line. So, uh, yeah, I thought our secondary guys played well. Some of the young guys, you know, getting getting a chance to get uh, uh, DeLaren in there, thought he did some nice things. I think he'll, you know, continue to be, become a bigger part of what we're doing. Um, Buki had one of his better games. Um, so, yeah, we, we definitely. We took some steps just defensively as a whole. You know, I said this morning on the conference call, we, we played a lot of 11-man football. And uh, we had some guys that played really, really well. But it was more to me as how well we played together as a group. And that's something we got to keep building on. Uh, Turner Yell and uh, Redmond get, get in there and get some action among the young guys. Um, what was the impetus to getting them in at this stage? And you said they, they played well, they graded out well. Yeah, they did well. Neither one of them played, you know, just a ton of snaps. Um, so it's a small sample size. Um, yeah, yeah, what's that? Healthy. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. I mean, Redmond hasn't been available. This was the first game that he's been available, and uh, which was a nice surprise. Like that was a surprise for all of us, you know, when we learned that there was a chance because we, you know, it all felt like it would be the entire year and. Uh, so no, a big plus having them back. Uh, big plus having DeLaren back. I think before he got hurt um, there during the uh, practice week before FAU. I mean, he was looking like he was going to play quite a bit for us, both defensively and on special teams. And so he's back. He's feeling better. There's some rust that's getting knocked off right now. Um, you know, and now he's going through some of those. Both he and Jalen are going through some of those first game things that you have with freshmen that our other freshmen are passed by this point. And so, uh, but they're both talented kids. I would imagine that, you know, they're going to have opportunities for their, both their roles to grow as we go on. Lincoln, you ran a couple option plays the other day, including the, the Kennedy Brooks touchdown run. How dangerous can those plays be, one, with what Kyler's able to do, and two, just what this offense can do overall in other ways? Yeah, it's been a, it's, it's a good, a good play for us. You know, we ran it through the years a couple times here and there with Baker. It's uh, it's definitely a little bit of a different animal with, with Kyler handling it um, just because of the threat that he poses. But uh, I mean, it's it's never going to become a primary play for us. Um, you know, we're not we're not going back to Coach Switzer's era that far, um, but but it, it's it's effective. And uh, we, we did a good job executing it the other day in some critical situations. Coach, the Texas had a lot of success with quarterback run game, and does Kansas State? It looks like they do a lot of that as well. Is it similar? And what are your thoughts about uh, this defense under Ruffin against that? Yeah, uh, Kansas State does it in a lot of different ways. I mean, Kansas State really majors in it. Uh, there's some things schematically that that are similar, but you know, Kansas State is a little bit of a different animal that way. Um, and they are different depending on which quarterback's playing too. Um, you know, obviously we saw a lot of, of the Delton kid last year, um, you know, who's a tremendous runner. And then the kid that they played a lot the other day, I know they've played both this year. He's a good, capable runner, but they use them a little bit differently. Um, uh, but yeah, Kansas State does, you know, their quarterback run game, I would say is, is as advanced as anybody in the country. I mean, they really, really build a ton around it and, and challenge you in a lot of different ways. So they've always been really good schematically. And even with the coordinator change this year, you, you see them continuing to do that. So we'll certainly have to do a great job against it. Uh, yeah, Coach, you guys have had a lot of uh, success the last four or five years with freshmen at the running back spot. Uh, beyond the obvious, which is that they're talented, what has allowed you guys to consistently have somebody ready to go uh, as a freshman at that spot? Uh, good lineman first. Um, 
you know, we've been pretty good up front, and that, that makes a big difference. Uh, yeah, and then I think, you know, Jay's done a great job, Jay Bulware, of, of, you know, you know, taking those young guys, molding them early. We've worked hard to, even if maybe one guy's getting the, the lion's share of the, of the reps, you know, game-wise at some point, we've really worked hard behind the scenes knowing that, you know, to play championship-level ball, play as consistent as we want to throughout a long season, it's going to take it's going to take more than one or two running backs, and it always has. And so we've worked hard to develop those guys. We've been lucky to bring in some good ones. And uh, like I said, we've got a good line blocking for them, and, and uh, Jay's done a great job developing. With uh, Lee Morris and his knack for touchdowns, is it more of a kind of right place, right time for him, or is there something about him that makes him an attractive target for Kyler near the end zone? Yeah, he's, what is it, like eight? And 12 career catches, yeah. Somebody needs to throw it to him more. He, uh, yeah, it's, it's, he's, there's probably been some good timing, but more than anything, he's made the plays when the opportunities have been there. And they've not all just been, it's not like it's just a guy that we sit there and throw goal line fades to. I mean, these have been, a lot of them have been big plays, you know, and so now he's, you know, I do think Kyler has trust in him, but I mean, I think Baker did too. Um, but his his role's grown. Part of it now he's just he's in there more. You know he's more of a he's in the true rotation and he's playing a lot of ball for us. And then uh, he's got a unique ability of uh, you know the size and all that where he's a, a good target, a nice mismatch. But then he also has enough athleticism that after the catch, when he gets momentum going, he's tough to bring down. I mean he's a big kid. He's thick. Really runs well. So he's uh, yeah, he's made a lot of big plays. It's yeah the touchdown. To, to catch ratio is it's remarkable. I've never had anybody with it like that. With everything that was going on, what did it mean the way Trey Brown uh, played the other day? Yeah, it was kind of like I said after the game. I mean, it was just powerful. You know, it was I. I still don't really know how the kid did it um, to come play at the level he did, and he played extremely well. So. Um, you know, credit to him, you know, the inner strength he has, the support system around him, you know, I know his family, friends, his, his teammates here, his family here. Um, you know, I think a lot of people lifted him up. He lifted a lot of us up, too, even in a hard time for him. So having him back was, was special and, and uh, you know, being able to be around him, you know, after such a tough loss was, uh, I think it was good for our team, good for him. And, uh, yeah, really proud and impressed with the way he played. Link, do you feel any way that the rule or the calling about the unnecessary celebration is a little out of touch with the way kids are today? A little bit, uh, a little bit. Um, you know, the only thing that, just like in any call, I mean, you know what the rules are. You know, the only thing that I we ever want is consistency. And uh, if it's going to be called in that game, it needs to be called in the previous whatever, seven games, you know, CD and Marquise have scored a lot of touchdowns. And uh, so if, if, uh, if, if we're going to call it like that, we need to call it like that all the time. And then we'll, and then obviously I got to do a better job of coaching it. Do you ever have discussions with refs before a game about those kinds of things or ask for clarification from the league about what is excessive, what is, um, you know, choreographed? Yeah, I like haven't, haven't had to on that subject, but there are other, you know, interpretations. One big one this year. I know it hasn't made a ton of headlines during the season, but it's been the uh, uh, the new equipment rules, or or you know how you're dressed. The you know the new big emphasis of if your knees aren't covered or if a shirt's hanging out, they're going to take you out of the game. Some crews have um, enforced that differently, and so we've that's an example of some things that we communicate with just to make sure we're on the same page with them. But uh, you know, I, I, that's. I'm, I'm going to add that to my list. Lincoln Kennedy had a, a block. I, Kyler had a run that went down, I think, inside yep. the 10 or something, and Kennedy they had it. three people. How far has he come with that, considering it doesn't sound like that was necessarily his MO coming out of high school, then he has the injury. Where, how have you seen him progress in that area? Yeah, he's our trust in him just to be able to execute our whole offense is really high. But the, the kid, I think – He's progressed as far as just knowing assignments. He's really progressed as a receiver. But he's got just some natural feel. You see it when he catches the ball. And, I mean, something like that that happened. I mean, we, we never practice it looking like that. I mean, and, and 
sometimes, you know, you, you try to give these guys all the looks you can. You only got so many hours in the day and only so many reps, and there's a thousand different ways that every play can happen. And so guys have got to have some, we, we call it, they got to have some ball. You know, they got to have some sense. And, uh, and he does uh, because he hadn't seen a look like that in practice, not one time, and he, he, he made us all look really smart. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's what really good players do. You know, they can adjust. They understand where you're trying to attack. And if it doesn't go exactly like we planned, they understand, you know, they got a pretty good idea of what they should do anyways. And so uh, you, you, we've seen it more with him with the ball in his hands, but it was nice to see some of those natural instincts carry over to a play where the ball wasn't in his hands. Frequent is it that guys figure out the blocking part of the of football, or you know, as a running back or receiver, and really get into it and seem to enjoy it? And does that is he one of those guys? Do you get the sense that he he really likes that part? Yeah, he he enjoys it. Um, I, I think for us, you know, the way we've used our backs, um, not only in the one back, but especially when we get in the two backs, is that they've got to both be able to to block and to do those things, or they're not going to play. And uh, that's. It was like that, you know, we told Joe and Samaje that the day we walked in here, and it'll be like that every every back that we have. If you want the carries and the opportunities with the ball, great, but you better prove to us you can do all these other things first. And so we try to recruit guys that 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 have that ability, that show they have that want to, um, to make plays also when the ball's not in their hands, and it's something we emphasize here. And no matter how good they are with the ball in their hands, I mean, no great back's ever going to touch it more than 50% of the time, 50% of your snaps. So, you know, what is he going to do? Even if a guy gets 25 touches in the game, what's he going to do those other 50 plays? And uh, it better be good, too. Yeah, Lincoln, uh, Ruffin said after the game, nothing was put in the defensive game plan after noon on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. First, how common is that? Second, do you think it played any role at all in the way that you guys performed Saturday? <clears throat> I think it's part of Ruffin's approach. Um, you know, everybody does it different ways with your install. Some people do a lot on the front end, and then and then uh, you know lessen it on the back end, which has always been Ruffin's approach. Some people space it out through all the week. Offense does it different. De defense does it different. I mean, I don't know that there's one great answer on it. The thing I would say that, and this is I think where Ruffin and our staff's experience came into play was the temptation would have been. I got two weeks here. Let's try to change as much as we can, do as many wrinkles as we can, which would have been, in our opinion, completely the wrong approach. And I think our staff's experience, maturity, um, really showed there and that we made some of the changes that we thought we needed to make and could get made in two weeks and everything else that we thought would be too much, we tossed. And uh, I think that was a big part of the reason our guys were on the same page the entire game and, and we played not only you know, played hard and all that, but we played well together, and I think that was a big part of it. Lincoln, your uh, track record as a play caller is, is pretty obvious um, and very positive, so it's interesting to hear you be so self-critical the time that you are, and we heard it again after the game Saturday, just about, I think it was a one series you didn't mm -hmm. like in particular, and it's it's come up in other post games just the last couple of years. I'm curious how that process is for you. Is that the self-critiquing part, is that something you know right away when something's gone awry, or is that something, how has that evolved for you as a, as a, as a coach? Or I'm just kind of asking you to be introspective, I guess. Well. Yeah, um, sometimes it's right away. Like the one the other day, there was several that were, you know, right away, you knew you just didn't put us in a very good position. And sometimes it's like anything, you come back and watch the film the next day, and there were things you should have done that you didn't. So. Um, I've just always believed, I mean, we coach our kids really hard here and and hold them, you know, to a high standard. And I, you know, how could I do that if I'm not doing the same thing with myself? And so, you know, I, you know, kind of, you know, we're all in the blame when things go wrong and we're all doing some decent things when things go well. So I've never, I've always been, I don't know if it's words confident enough, but I just think that's that's how teams should be. I mean, I don't think people should be immune from taking criticism or for pointing out when they do things wrong. And I've never had a problem admitting when I've screwed things up. And and so, you know, when I do it, I got no problem admitting it. And and I, I want our players to be like that too. You know, I want our players to, if you did something wrong, don't try to hide behind this or that. You know, just you did it wrong, accept it. Let's figure out how we need to fix it and let's go forward instead of, 
you know, playing the blame game, this or that. So, but I think if I'm going to expect that of the players and everybody on our staff, then it, it's got to start with me. When your players uh, have make a mistake, you want them to forget about it and move on. How is it with you? I can. I'm. It takes me a minute or two, and then I'm then I'm good. So uh, I I don't ever during a series. It's fine. After a series, I might have to you know, I'd, you know disappointed for a minute but I've done it long enough now that you know that's that's part of the ups and downs of a game so I think I get through it pretty fast the guys on the headset might not may, they may disagree but I think I get through it pretty quick um, a little more on Kennedy Brooks um, I asked Kyler a minute ago uh, what qualities he has what he runs with that stand out that really jump out at you is it is it his speed mm-hmm. is it his vision is it you know that one cut ability to hit the ground and accelerate sure he said he runs so relaxed yeah. that it, it looks like he almost just doesn't care. Yeah. That's, that's the way he phrased it. What uh, stands out about him to you? Yeah, we were joking. He had one, it was Baylor or somebody, looks like he's out running in the park with his Labrador. I mean, you know, it's just, it, it does. And it's, it's hard to explain, honestly. It's, it's, a, it's the same thing we saw in high school. And we, we went back and forth earlier in his career of, you know, should we offer the kid? He was ultra productive. Um, and the tape was really good. Now, he wasn't just built unbelievably, or he didn't have just, you know, 4-3 speed, or, I mean, he you didn't see him just, just violently running over people, but he just was in the right place at the right time almost every single time, and he's been like that here as a runner. It's, it, it is. There's an effortless quality to it, um, but I think he has just great feel. I mean, he just understands – where plays are supposed to go, but he's also not a, not a robot when they don't happen exactly how they should. Almost like the block that Tyler asked about, asked, asked about, he he can adjust too. So um, and he's got really good balance. You know, you saw him come out of a couple of tackles. Um, uh, so I, I the fun thing for that kid is he is still as far as where he can is now physically and where he can get to. There's there's a ton of room for growth, and so. As good as he's playing now, I think you know the future could be really bright for him. Uh, Kyler is like 26 points ahead of what the record Baker set a year ago. Past see. when did you see this guy was this special, and has it surprised you what he's doing right now? Well, y'all asked me before the season if the you know like somebody asked in here about the assumption that the production, the level of the quarterback's going to drop off, and I. I told you, I said, well, I, we'll see, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I've always thought he could be a really good player. Uh, I knew he would play well. Um, the stats are what they are right now. I mean, that's more than anything. He's, he's growing as a player. He's growing as a leader. He's handling situations well. He's got good players around him that he's learning to use very well. And I think, you know, in sync with a lot of them. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I felt the whole time that whoever won that battle was going to be in a great situation, would have a chance to be a great quarterback for us. So I, that's just that's just the standard here right now. Lincoln Carson Meyer seems to his, his role has grown yeah. quite a bit. Was on the field a ton of plays on Saturday. Excuse me. What's been the key to that, and how important can that be in the, the framework of your offense, given the versatile role that he plays? Yeah, uh, two keys, I would say. One, just all the reps over the years backing up Dimitri. Um, a lot of those weren't in games. Dimitri was so versatile and, and stayed healthy for us, you know, for several years. But with all we did with Dimitri, we had to have the next guy ready, and he was always ready. So he took a lot of reps here and really, really grew behind the scenes. The other thing that I would say that's really emerged is he has drastically improved as a receiver, and uh, he's always been a good blocker. But he has really improved, not only just, you know, catching the ball, but understanding our route concepts, um, understanding where we need him to be versus different coverages. And so that development has allowed us to, to use him more. He's a weapon there. He's actually, he's built so much different, Dimitri. There's been, we've been able to do some different things with him because of that in the receiving game. And I think we'll continue to be able to do so. So he's, uh, he's just made himself one of those guys that we don't want to have off the field very often right now. Uh, following up on Hal's question, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, Kel Gundy said that there's no doubt that he thinks that Kyler could play 
um, in the NFL. Do you think that he could play in the NFL? And is Kyler maybe the best athlete that you've ever coached? Um, I mean, that's, you know, that's down the line a little bit. Uh, I know he can play in the NFL. I have no doubts about that. Um, but, you know, he's got a long ways to go until, until that point. Athletically, see the best athlete. I mean, he's up there. I mean, he's up there. He's he's unique, you know, doing it at this position and what he's been able to do throwing and running. Um, he's we've had some pretty good ones, but he ranks right up there with any of them. Lincoln, you talked about the Kansas State's offense. What about their defense? What do you see and what they're doing defensively? Yeah, changed coordinators again, but it's uh, it looks, you know, it's it's similar in a lot of ways. Um, very, very typical, you know, which is a big compliment. Um, extremely physical, you know, they've done a really good job. They've had one, one game this year where they struggled to defend the run. Other than that, they've really done a good job in the run game. They've held down some really good offenses um, like, they, like they tend to do. You know, experience in the back end, you know, the, the safeties uh, and then the corner number eight, Shelly, they've played, played a ton of ball. Um, and then the left defensive end, 51 Walker, is one of the best, uh, one of the best pass rushers without a doubt in this league. So, you know, they're they know what they're doing. You know, they're extremely sound. They're extremely physical with a ton of experience in the back end and an elite pass rusher. So, I mean, it's always challenging when you play them. I mean, every single time, it's just because uh, they just don't make mistakes. You know, and they they know what they're doing. They're so well coached. They play so hard and physical that. You just, if you're going to make plays, you better make them. I mean, you got to make them. They're not going to give you gimmies. And uh, so that, that's what always makes them challenging. This year's no different. Coach, the move with Ruffin was a, a major change, and, and it is, I'm sure it's very difficult to, for that to occur. But at least he knows the players. Bob Diaco has been inserted now. I mean, he's only been on campus for a while, and now you need him to really coach linebackers and he doesn't have those relationships can you talk about his role and how it went last week and so forth yeah he he's he's done a good job though within his role of, of building relationships with our guys you know he hasn't been able before this to you know hands-on coach them on the field or in a meeting room but our players have still gotten to know him you know and his uh he's got great personality great energy um i think they respect you know his knowledge uh it's very apparent that you know he knows what he's doing, and uh, and certainly his you know his history, his resume would suggest that. But he's been just a he's been great. You know he's handled the role very well. Uh, you know he he worked very closely there. You know with Mike. Uh, you know through spring through the beginning of the season did a really um, you know so was kind of there with our outside backers. Got to got to understand you know those guys a little bit um, through that and. And then he and Ruffin and the staff have really hit it off here, you know, in their new roles. So now I've been pleased with what he's brought to us. You know, it's the he's kind of total package. I mean, guy brings energy, um, he brings experience. Um, players really enjoy him, really seem to respond to him. So that's uh, obviously didn't anticipate it was going to be in this role, but you know, certainly, you know, thankful now that we brought him aboard as an analyst when we did. Yeah, uh, Coach Alex Barnes, leading rusher in the Big 12. What stands out to you about him? Yeah, he's he's really good. Watched him against Oklahoma State a couple of weeks ago. I mean, he's catching the ball well. He's running the ball well. I mean, he's he's physical. Um, he, you know, he reminds me of Rodney in a lot of ways. You know, he's the big guy with a lot of physicality, but also has big playability. And then you can tell he really understands their schemes. You know, he's very patient. Like to me, the great Kansas State backs are really sets up the blocks well. And like any great back, he's playing in front of a really, really good offensive line, a group that's, you know, got a ton of experience, some outstanding players. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they've got a good combination going. Lincoln, we saw some of Ruffin's dance moves after <laughs> the game Saturday. And he uh, also, Kenneth was saying that they, he shares a lot of musical uh, taste with the players. Right. How much does that stuff resonate with guys, not just personally, but could there? How much could it possibly carry over to the field too when they play on Saturdays? Well, I think I think different coaches are going to relate to their players in different ways. Um, 
I think the end of the day, regardless of how you do it, whether it's through music, dancing, spending time with them, whatever it is, you know, you, you do have to get to know your players. You know, you've got to, you, you have to build those relationships in some way or form because, you know, to, to play at a high level, you know, especially at a place like this, there's got to be a lot of trust and there's got to be a lot of want to. And, and uh, you know, as coaches, it's your job to, to establish that, to help to motivate these guys, but also have them, you know, trust every position that you put them in. And then as a coach, you got to be able to do the same. You got to be able to trust that, you know, I'm going to give you this opportunity and I'm going to trust that you're going to go do what we had you do. And so uh, that's, that's Ruffin's way of doing it. You know, he's got a great way of, of with the kids and they've, players as long as I've been around him, which is a while now, they've always responded to him. And so certainly one of his gifts. Was that the first time you saw him dance and, you oh, know, no. get... Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Standing thing that he's done. He's it's it's definitely not his first rodeo. Yeah, he's uh, he'll get in there and mix it up with him pretty good. Um, beyond the changes that we saw on the field, how was that? How pleased were you, or maybe you're looking for more evolution from the logistical defensive communication uh, message getting down on the field, and then guys getting the message from the coordinator from the sideline. How, how did that go? Yeah, it was smooth. I think for you know that staff, you know, for their first time together. Um, you know, then having rough up and, and you know, Bob down. And I, I thought we, I thought they did a great job of working through 99% of the kinks before we got to the game. You know, we practiced it a lot through the two weeks, um, got those guys on the headsets a lot. Um, they had great communication, not just during the practices, but after coming back and, you know, tinkering with this or that to make sure it was just right. And our subs are really good. Um, Guys got calls. Uh, we didn't. I think we only had one play in the game where one of our guys missed a call. So we, uh, yeah, I think our staff and our kids, kind of like the whole thing. They set to get set forward a plan and and trusted it. Worked worked hard throughout the two weeks. There's still a few little things we need to clean up, but very happy for the first game. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at SoonerSports.tv/podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.